You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to episode 164 of Drinks with Tony with my guest, Rosemary Masco. She's the author of The Pocket Guide to Pigeon Watching, Getting to Know the World's Most Misunderstood Bird. Want to hear about how the male and female pigeons make milk for their babies? Want to hear how pigeons have sex? Need your mandatory community service card signed by someone who can fool a judge? All of this and more in the next hour of Drinks with Tony. Well, not the last part. Don't forge or cheat, kids. Do your time as you must. Hi, I'm Rosemary Mosco, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Rosemary Mosco. She's the author of A Pocket Guide to Pigeon Watching, Getting to Know the World's Most Misunderstood Bird. Rosemary, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I'm great. I know a whole lot more about pigeons now. Yeah. Thanks to you. It, it's, it's, my, it's my horrible crime is spreading the love of pigeons to everyone everywhere. Too many <laughs> well, pigeon facts. <laughs> Well, if that's a crime, then everyone should be arrested. I don't know what that means. Um, what what got you into bird, the, just birds in general? How, how, did, how did you start? How did this all begin? Yeah how did how did how did I crack out of the egg of of bird nerdery? Um, <laughs> I when I uh, when I was growing up, my mom was really into birds, and I think that helped a lot. Um, she was, I grew up in Canada and she was from sort of a more, slightly more rural part. And so she grew up looking at birds and watching birds. And then um, they're just anywhere you go, there are birds, you know, whether you're in the city, whether you're in the country, there's something you can watch. And I was kind of a, a nervous and distractible kid. So having birds, you know, in my view constantly was really helpful. And then I started identifying them and I was kind of off to the races with birds. They're just, you know, they're gentle. They don't tend to um, attack you or cause you trouble. They're just sort of something beautiful that you can keep an eye on. You you know, your day. When I lived in San Francisco, we had pigeons all over the place and a lot of them were like maimed. It was like, they got in a lot of fights there. There was pigeon fights or something. They, if, 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 if I saw a pigeon that had all of their toes, I would be like, it's only a matter of time. I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's not a mystery that is totally solved, but they're definitely not getting in fights. Um, they, they, do, they do have kind of some goofy fights sometimes where they'll whack each other with their wings or they'll, a male will chase a female away from a potential suitor, but they tend to be pretty, pretty gentle and they can be a bit nippy. But what's going on with the feet is uh, probably due to the fact that they tend to walk around on the ground. So they're not perching birds. You won't see them you know, up in a tree. They, they walk around while they're foraging. And so their feet get you know, hurt by things that we leave on the ground. And there's some evidence that what's going on is their toes are getting tangled in threads or even potentially hair. And then that cuts off the blood supply to their feet. So it really seems to have to do with the fact that they are uh, walking on the ground like us, but they don't have fancy shoes. Oh, interesting. In San Francisco, they're probably walking out and used heroin needles. So oh. it's <laughs> seriously. Pigeons have it rough. Yeah, no, they, they do. And, and, um, and most of them are, um, they're like monogamous. Is, is, is that what I read? Yeah, they are total lovebirds. So if you're looking for, you know, a paragon of um, of nuclear family, I guess <laughs> you can look at the pigeon. Male and female birds fall in love, and they'll sing and sing and dance to each other, and they'll even kiss. Although the kissing is really more of a like puking into each other's mouths. Oh yeah, no, that's how I kiss. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I thought that was normal. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's normal. Wait, are you a pigeon? I think, I think I've solved your problem. Oh, yeah, that, so, that would be many problems solved if that was the only thing. It would, it would be other problems created. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're real lovebirds and they stick together for life for, for, you know, as long as, you know, they're both alive and then they'll split parental duties. Um, they even make milk for their babies. 
both of them, male and female. Really? Yeah. The male, the male lactates? Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of lactating. So it's sort of a, it's a thing that evolved independently of mammalian milk. It's really wild. What they do uh-huh. is they secrete milk into the, their throat, sort of part of their throat called their crop uh-huh. and kind of like an esophagus thing. And then they kind of barf it into their baby's mouths. But what's wild is that it's stimulated by the hormone prolactin, which is what stimulates you know, milk production in humans. It's got fats and proteins and immune boosting things. It's kind of similar to human milk. It just independently evolved. Um, I wouldn't wow. suggest drinking it because it's supposedly pretty chunky and, and kind of cheesy. But I, I see I see a fad in the future, maybe three decades from now, where weightlifters are going to be um, selling pigeon puke to, you know, or something, <laughs> something's going to go down where someone's going to figure out how it, how it affects the, you know, humans. And then all of a sudden it's going to be on the black market. It'll be hard to find pigeons on the street. You know, I got to get in this on the ground floor. I don't know what I'm doing, writing books. I, yeah. This is a startup. We should, we're talking about it right now. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> how can we exploit pigeons even more? Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause we do that quite a bit. do we exploit pigeons well at the very least um i don't know if exploits the right word but um they are really molded by humans they Mm. were domesticated i mean this is the wild thing is a lot of people don't know that five thousand years ago or more we domesticated them um in the fertile crescent in that region in the middle east and we spread these domestic pigeons all over the world. So there may or may not be any wild, true wild pigeons, you know, left mm. out in the wild. Uh, all of, a lot of them probably have domestic, you know, blood sort of in them, but it's kind of like puppies or kittens. You know, we spread mm. them all over the world and they went stray. And so now there are ferals all over the place. So the pigeons that we see in North America, they all come from this, this human past. And we domesticated them because we thought they were useful for meat. We used their poop as fertilizer. We tied messages to their legs and had them, you know, pass all sorts of important messages and also like sports stats and, and stuff. And so we use them for so, so, so many reasons. And that's why they're around us. Wow. So it's... um. It would, it would be fun to have a pigeon that would just send messages. How do pigeons send messages? How do you, you, you tie a, you tie a, you hope that their feet are okay. So you tie the message to their leg, right? Yeah. And, and then what do you do? Do you, do you have like a network already where you tell the pigeon, like, you know, do you, do you give it coordinates? How do you tell a pigeon where to go? Uh, it's, it's complicated. You don't exactly tell them where to go. Um, pigeons are really good at finding their way home. Sorry, uh, sorry to take a break, but I have parrots and one of them is wolf whistling in the other oh, yeah? room. I hope you're not hearing the wolf whistle. No, no, I want to hear it. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll just pretend if you hear wolf whistling, it's not me. It's just <laughs> so the I bird know. show. It's the bird show. <laughs> All birds can interrupt. She's saying, hey, let me out. I want more treats. She has many treats. but Wait, you have a Uh, parrot? I have two, yeah. How old are they? One is 10 and one is about eight or so. And both of them are going to outlive you, right? No, these these little ones will live to be about 25. Um, They're little conyers. So yeah, I I didn't buy a bird expecting I would live for another hundred years. Right. Um, So so good. So you'll have the grief and see them die and they won't see you die. Wow, this is this is uplifting drinks with Tony. <laughs> it's, no, I, I mean, I just you know, it's no, like no, parents like live forever, and it's so it's, yeah. you know, but but if they only live twenty five years, it's um, I don't know. It's, the, the pets are wonderful, but but it's also you know, there, there's also impending grief at some point in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm going to give them long and and happy and healthy lives. Yeah. And then, and then buy more parrots, probably (laughs) more parrots. (laughs) Are are parrots affectionate? Oh, so affectionate. Yeah. They, they cuddle up to you um, there and they talk and they're just, yeah, they're really, they're really wonderful, but there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of parrots that need homes. So adopting a parrot is, you know, the the best thing, the best thing you can do. Note to self. All right. This is just, uh, yeah, this is just a show where we talk about how great birds are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been looking at cats. I want to adopt a cat. And then I'm like, oh. now if I, I get a, a cat and a parrot, 
I got to make sure they kind of like know each other and know that, you know, you get, you guys, you guys are going to, you don't do the thing you do in the wild. We're all friends here. Yeah. That's a, that's a really challenging, that's a challenging thing. I'm allergic to cats, so I can't help with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you don't do books about cats. Yes. <laughs> that's the only reason i also don't know anything about mammals but ask me about birds and i'm all over it (laughs) i'm sorry yeah what were we talking about like 20 minutes ago before i interrupted about your uh what are we talking about it was pigeons oh how how to send messages like the pre so pigeons were essentially the internet five thousand years ago yeah 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 right so uh so the thing about the pigeon internet is that you can only really send messages one way. So pigeons are very, very good at finding their way home to their nest, even if they don't know where they've been dropped off. Um, and we don't totally understand why they do it. They probably use, you know, a sort of a magnetic sense. They use like, you know, the ability to see polarized light and smells. And it's, it's really remarkable. It's like this incredible alchemy that we haven't totally untangled. But if you take a pigeon far away, and then you tie a little note to its leg and then you release it, uh, it will find its way home really, really quickly and it'll carry the note with it. Um, and so, uh, so, I'm so sorry. No, we're getting cat call, that's fine. But they're really, they're really going. Do you no, mind no, if I take- Oh, they're fine, they're, right. they're fine. You can take them out. Are you taking them out? Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, just, just let, let the parrots go out around the apartment building (laughs) this is the part where i sing um yes we are still live and parrots are being um exited from their cages parrots in pen are are we getting parrots are they coming yes come here baby want to come say hi oh my god it's so cute it's a greenish yeah, oh. green one. Normally I can put them in another room, but I'm so sorry. Did you want to restart? No, we this is it. We're going. Okay. We're still going. Okay. Okay. Um, okay the um so the pigeons wanted uh your affection. They want your attention. Not the pigeons, right. the, the parrots. The parrots, yeah. Yeah, 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 the yeah. Parrots, yeah. Yeah. But pigeons can be pretty affectionate too. Um so there's a I, there's a parrot on uh there's a parrot on Rosemary's head and there's a parrot on Rosemary's shoulder. This is awesome. <laughs> oh boy. Oh now, boy. Did, now I did my best. I did my best to move them to a quiet room. <laughs> no, this is great. Now, does one of them is one of them favor the head and one favor the shoulder, or do how does yes. that work? They they have the spots they like to be. Come on, kiddos. <laughs> All right. And what are their right, names? So, oh, um, uh, I don't, I don't usually share pet names on. on really? Media. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pretend I didn't ask that. <laughs> let's let's go. Let's go back to the people barfing in people's mouths. We can, we can make up. We can make up names. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so, uh, so pigeon messaging. Right. So they will fly back to their nest but they won't fly back to where they got the original message. This is the problem. So, um, so they, they only really go one way. So if you wanna do two-way communication, you have to carry another pigeon to, you know, an, to the other location and basically have nests in both locations. So, so it's kind of like um, having two computers at two different locations and then you fiber optic wire them, but yeah. you don't need energy. It's yeah. Well, I mean, you need um, some seeds and right. <laughs> you know all the, and water and such, but it's but it's incredibly efficient. And so it was used um, to carry the results of the first Olympic Games. And Genghis Khan used it for messaging. And it kind of reached its peak during World War One and World War Two, when soldiers would carry them into battle. And if they got in trouble, they would release pigeons with you know important intel or just a note saying you know hey we need backup. And mm. pigeons wound up winning medals, um, you know, in, in World War One and World War Two for their for their valiant service. So they they were really really important message carriers up until you know the telegraph took over. Right, and it was Morse code, right? Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Pigeons and, were, and the pigeons are like, well, I guess we can just walk around the city and shit on humans. <laughs> <laughs> as their as their terrible revenge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
this one's for the metal and I don't have a work anymore. Oh, they why, all deserve medals. Why is it that, why do you think it's, uh, why do you think pigeons are, um, are like essentially love, uh, find their mate and love for life? Uh, you know, what is it? What is it about it? Do, do you know? I'm not really sure. I mean, different animals use different strategies. Um, some of them will just sort of, you know, produce a massive amount of babies and not do a lot of parental care. I know that baby That's pigeons- That's my strategy. Really need... <laughs> No, no, pigeons... no. <laughs> well, well, see, see. Hopefully, your your kids will. I don't have milk. kids. I was just. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Hypothetical. Well, yeah, yeah. So... But I, but I puke in, I puke in babies' mouths just in case. So. That's definitely not the message I wanted to spread with my book, and now you have me very worried. <laughs> <laughs> we must be like the pigeons. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, in some respects, maybe, but. Yeah, but no, they, they need a lot of care from their parents. That's actually partly why with, you know, when we used to eat pigeons, but then we started eating chickens instead. And that's because you can raise, a, you know, a, a ton of chickens in a factory farm. You know, it's arguable whether you should, but um, you can raise them en masse and feed them grain or whatever. Whereas the pigeons really need those few days of care from their milk puking parents. Huh. And they only have two babies at once. They don't have, you know, a huge flock of them. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got two babies and a, and a white picket fence. <laughs> it's really funny when you think about it, right? I want the pigeon life. The nuclear pit. Well, there are aspects of the pigeon life, I think, maybe that are less, less appealing than that. Yeah. Um, huh. I mean, you would be constantly ducking peregrine falcons. Whenever you right. Out. Oh, right, right. Unless yeah. you're in the city, if you're in a real urban area, I don't think there's a lot of falcons swooping. There up. are. This is the really? wild thing is is we've reintroduced peregrine falcons to all sorts of cities, and now they are doing really great nesting on high rises, and then they'll eat pigeons, and and we've created this sort of new ecosystem, which is really huh. really cool. I think so. I'll, I've seen them, and in fact, that's one of the great things about pigeons is when you see a flock of pigeons take off in the city, look for hawks because you will see the coolest hawks because of those pigeons. Oh wow! There, there are pigeons that hang out on the um, on the electric wires uh, in my neighborhood and all around. You know, and at some of the busiest intersections in Los Angeles, and all of a sudden you'll just see a, the whole flock just go across the whole intersection and come back mm -hmm. down it's so gorgeous just like oh a little nature yeah. makes the concrete nice yeah that's what pigeons can give to us is a little bit of nature and biology you know amid all the all the city stuff when did we stop eating pigeon i'm not really sure there are definitely still people eating pigeons all over the world i mean egypt mm -hmm. in particular it's there's like a gourmet dish that you know they'll make from pigeons um, a pigeon is squab. So if you've ever seen squab on the menu, that's pigeon. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly when people sort of slowed down eating of pigeons in um, North America and in Europe, but it really was when we started to bring in chickens more and more and more. But, uh, but definitely, you know, in the 1600s, when we brought, when colonists brought pigeons to North America, one of the reasons they were bringing them was because they considered them a food stuff that was really essential. Have you ever tasted a pigeon? I haven't. I haven't. I'm really curious, but I don't eat. <laughs> I don't eat um, birds and, and pigeons. So yeah. I, I hear it's delicious. That the thing about eating pigeons is what you're eating is squab, which is baby pigeon that's about to leave the nest. Once they've left Aww. the nest, they get all tough and gamey. Uh -huh. And so the idea of eating a baby pigeon is a little. Right. A little, little challenging for me after writing about them. I bet. I would, yeah. I would just want to know what I just, I just want to taste though. Like, like, like uh, there was this, um, for some odd reason, I was at a Chinese restaurant and they were, they had um, the feet, the chicken feet. Oh yeah. Um, and I've never, I've never eaten that before. And so, you know, were they, was, were they, yeah. Chicken feet. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. And they were just like, and someone was just like, you got to eat a whole chicken foot. And I was like, okay. And I will never do that again because it's just like you just you're you're like feeling the knuckle. <laughs> it's like the texture is just too much. It's like, oh, it, it you know, it's like I don't know. We you know I can get a chicken burrito and like not real. You know, I, I'm not thinking about the um 
the, where they were raised and, and whose personality it was. But when you're eating somebody's toes, I think that like, I think that brings a whole new level of intimacy and understanding and is not a great thing to do. It's, it's complicated, you know, because so much of it is cultural, because um, I have Chinese friends who love eating chicken feet, because, okay. you know, they yeah. grew up with them, and they're really crunchy, and, you know, there's stuff that we eat that, yeah. you know, is, is maybe a little more bizarre. I know that um, often when you eat pigeon, the pigeon will come with the feet or the head attached to prove what meat you're eating. Whoa, which is, which is super interesting. And that's kind of true. You know, when you eat a fish and you see, you know, the head of the fish right. is still there and it's to show you like, this is the meat that yeah. you're, you're eating, which is, which is really interesting. And you can just look them in the eye and go, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. This happened to you. Oh, you're tasty. <laughs> yeah, Humanity is complicated. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know. How do you feel about that? The, um, the, uh, the, you know, like, I mean, I, I eat flesh, so, but I have a lot of friends that don't, um, but I don't, you know, I guess yeah, I still it, haven't made, I still haven't gotten a tattoo. Cause I don't know. I don't know what kind of tattoo to get. So I haven't made up my mind on a lot of things. So. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's fine. I, it's, it's, it's for sure really complicated. I mean, I eat meat very occasionally. Um, I've tried totally cutting it out and I've gotten sick, but I've cut it, I've cut it way, 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 way down. Um, and the more I learn, the more, you know, I read, the more I, the more I cut it down for a, for a variety of reasons. And I've also become a better cook for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. A lot, a lot more salads and a lot more vegetable based, yeah. vegetable based things. Yeah. Oh, and that's something that I think is really interesting about pigeons that I didn't expect is that we think of pigeons as eating garbage, you know, but they are pretty picky about what they eat. They eat, mm. um, they like legumes and grains and sort of their favorite thing. And so, you know, they'll eat a lentil if, if they could, they, the only reason they're eating you know, a piece of hot dog bun in the trash is because the one it's got grains and two, they need to eat, you know? Oh, they're so, so if here. you have, so if you happen to have like cold lentils on you and you feed them to pigeons, they would go nuts. I don't want to give feeding advice because I feel like there are people who are pigeon feeding experts, you know, pigeon breeders who breed all sorts of fancy ones and they know the exact percentages of everything that need to be fed to them. And so I didn't want to step on the toes of the fancy pigeon breeders. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say for sure. I do know I've read that ducks, for example, if you do feed them, you should feed them frozen peas. So I got really excited really? once I thawed out a bowl of frozen peas and I took it to my local pond and those ducks just looked at me like, what is wrong with you? Really? <laughs> I'm not eating these peas. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, so I failed to, to feed them healthy food. I, um, we have all, we have a cemetery here called Hollywood forever and, um, there, there's peacocks. They, they, they let peacocks roam and they actually keep them in cages there too. They keep them overnight and there's little peacock babies and they just, they all hang out. And I was, um, sitting at a, um, bench the other day, uh, just taking some photos there and I watched the workers kind of come out and they were feeding them bread. They were just throwing bread out to the peacocks. And I was like, Oh, no, no, yeah, self. Peacocks eat. I don't know anything about yeah. peacock peacock diet. I the it's bread. I they they were down with the bread. They were kind of like oh. fighting with each other over it. I was like, guys, gotta chill. There's a lot of bread. The peacocks are way more intense than we think they are. And have you heard yeah. them make noise? They're oh like, yeah, 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 <laughs> That's yeah. My yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's intense. Yeah, yeah, they're intense. And, um, and when they, and I, they, none, none of them did it the other day, but I've, you know, I've seen them when they do the full feather and you're just like, oh, wow. You know, and then uh, what do they call that when you're like, um, there's a pickup artist call it peacocking. They're like, oh no, you gotta like, you know, and it, and it's kind of like a mating thing among humans too, where you, you kind of <laughs> like show if you dress a certain way, then people notice you. And so I'm just like, when a peacock does that to me, I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> well, that's, so you'll see pigeons do that too, right? Like they have this, 
this part of their throat called the crop that they can kind of inflate. They have all sorts of special blood vessels there and they poof it up. So it's like this sort of big sphere. And then they fan out their tails almost like a peacock, but they fan them, point them down and sort of drag them on the ground. And they do this incredibly fancy dance that is like, just, you know, and they're cooing and they're, they're bowing and bobbing. And like, I think it's really beautiful. I think it's as cool as, as what a peacock does, but I'm pretty biased. Yeah. Well, it sounds really cool. And it sounds like something where it's, it's almost like, um, uh, what do you call it? It's not just, uh, birds, but we can see it in other cultures too, where there's, you know, I mean, it, you know, in a, when I was uh, younger, the mating dance was going to a club and having a few beers and, the DJ puts the right song on. Right. And it's all kind of like a weird mating dance because if you just took the lights out and made the beer water and then, uh, and then we were all still kind of doing the dance, it would, it would, it would just look weird if we, if we took it out of the club environment. Well, okay. So here is one of the funniest things that pigeons do that I think it probably you shouldn't look for an analogy in humans, but after pigeons successfully mate, the female just sort of preens and does her thing, but the male does what's called a post-copulatory display, which is a behavior we don't understand, but he will take off and he'll fly back and forth between you know, two tall buildings, clapping his wings over his head, like he's giving himself a round of applause. <laughs> And you'll hear it, you know, you'll see, you'll see a male pigeon fly back and forth and do this kind of clap, 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 clap. And, and he's clearly just going, oh, I did such a good job. Um, oh. and, and I think that's adorable. And we don't know why this is happening. I want to see that the next time I see that I'm going to, yeah, I'll have a post-coital cigarette for the pigeon. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, good job, guy. Just light up. Yeah. No, I feel like maybe sweet. you should give it to the female who's just sitting there rolling her eyes while the male is flying back and forth, going, check it out, check it out. Look at my cool wings. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. And then the pigeons know who the other pigeons are, um, you know, who they're shacking up with. So there's once once you select your once you select your pigeon, your 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 uh, mate. Then it's kind of over, or or do pigeons or the dude pigeons come up and go? You know what? I, I'm kind of thinking of your mate. I've been thinking of your mate for a while because I like how she preens. There's a little bit of that. Um, it was hard for me to figure out how much of that mm-hmm. happens because a lot of the the really intimate reports are from people who keep pigeons as pets, and so that's you know a different scenario than in the wild. But we think overall, although there's some cheating, for the most part, there isn't very much. And the males will continue to sing and dance to their mate long after they've gotten together, which I think is the secret to love is, and and it might be a little muted. It might not be as fancy as normal, but, uh, uh, but they'll still sing and dance and chase the the female around and and say, you know, you're my girl until a peregrine Falcon appears (laughs) and ends our love. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See, now you're the dark one. Um, (laughs) What's it? I interviewed um, Hilma Wolitzer. She's an author and, I, and she's uh, 91 and her husband died last year and they were together for 63 years. And I was asking her what, you know, cause the first thing I ask in that situation is how do you do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, she said that they, that they would laugh together and uh, you know, they had, they had their kids and, the, and it, but some, a lot of it's just, just making each other laugh i think and yeah i mean maybe that's what they're doing maybe there's a sense of humor among the pigeons where they're like i'm going to show you this dance and just kind of like okay that you're doing that weird robot crazy dance again (laughs) well i think that stuff's really really important um you know i could have written a straight science book that's really uh dry you know and i think there's totally a time and a place for those i have an entire bookshelf that's all that Mm -hmm. but uh, it's full of, of puns and cheesy jokes. And I know that might detract from the levity, but, or from the, uh, the, the, the heftiness of, of the work with some levity, but I'm hoping that it will make people, you know, remember some of the facts a little bit more and, you know, help them have a, a bit of a break from, you know, all the wildness of our times to laugh a little bit. Well, and that's, that's what I enjoyed about your voice in this book is it's, the um we have to laugh at the if if we don't i mean it's it's the human condition and like the condition of 
just earth and the condition of what's living on earth. And it's absurd. Everything's absurd. So we have to have, if we, we got to kind of just go look at the absurdity of it and go, Oh, okay. You know, it's, um, that that's when it's lovely, you know, that's when we can. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think nature can give us a lot of that. I think it, it gives us other ways of being. And, you know, I think birds can inherently be really, really funny and they can teach us a lot about the world. So yeah, I ab- absolutely. I think that, I think that stuff's really important. I think you can tackle serious issues and also goof off. And yeah. that's part of what life is about. And you also, you're also the illustrator of the book, right? Or no? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. First time I've done that. Yeah. You, well, you draw well. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, this, so I, I do a lot of, um, uh, books, especially kids picture books where I'll get an incredible illustrator and it's the best feeling because you send some words off and then the words come back with this art, you know, spectacular art. But I do bird cartoons um, under the name Bird and Moon. And I've um, gotten to the point, you know, where I think I can capture what I want to say there pretty well. So I thought, well, I can draw, I can draw what wound up being 150 pigeons, <laughs> which is a lot, a lot of pigeons. So I appreciate it. I worked really hard on them. I really, I wanted them to be a mix of accurate and just, just goofy as heck. So yeah, yeah. 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 But a boy, it was a lot. I have so much, I already had a lot of respect for illustrators and now I know what it's like to draw 150 things. It's a lot. It's a lot. Did it feel, um, I mean, there's a vulnerability in the writing. What was, what felt more vulnerable, the drawing or the writing? The drawing. Oh, that's such a good question. Totally. The drawing. I am trained as a, as a writer and as a science communicator, and I've taken some classes drawing Um, I did some video game art for a while, which is why my colors are really bright, but I really am not a trained artist. So that felt a lot scarier than, than the writing. So I'm glad that people seem to seem to enjoy it. I think. Well, I, I, there's, I, it's interesting because if someone's too trained in something, you can tell there's, if, if someone is too technical, then it does the, the, we lose a bit of the emotion when there's, when there's a, um, less technical than it's yeah then it's kind of like you're bringing yourself into it a little, a little bit and the vulnerability yeah. makes it better yeah oh I, I, yeah i think so i mean my favorite bird bird artist um is probably david sibley who does all of the well i have so many favorites but he does a lot of the field guides and what's amazing about him is he's incredibly technical and incredibly accurate but his painting has just a tiny bit of like impressionism where you really get a sense of what it looks like to look at the bird as opposed to seeing every feather on it and you just feel like you're seeing it and you're getting it and it's it's exactly what you know, what we all need to, to see in order to understand what we experience in the wild. I think that's so cool. That's something that I, well, I, I talk about a lot. This a lot with my writing students is um, a lot of them will be like, well, this is based on a true story or no, this is a true story and this is how it happened. And I'm like, yes, but what, but what you're doing on the play by play is not interesting. And what you want to do is bring truth to it. So you want to bring the emotional truth to the reader and that's what's important so you know, you're going to have to move things around and craft it so there so the emotional truth is there and the honesty is there but um but but it, it might not be play by play but that's when it that's when it's interesting when and, and it's you know he could do every single feather but you do a little bit of a um shift on the visual and it, it may maybe it's not totally true to exactly what he's seeing but it's bringing the essence of the emotion or the um, that other thing we need. I'm glad they're doing construction right outside my door. Right <laughs> oh, you've got construction. <laughs> I've got parrots. <laughs> oh, you guys are right on cue. Thank you. <laughs> oh boy. Well, if it helps, I can't hear the construction. And also the birds are now cuddled up on my shoulder. So the wolf whistling has stopped. Yeah. <laughs> oh, You're boy. actually getting wolf called in your own place. You just like... <laughs> And you go outside and all the construction, you walk by the construction site and, and you forget that you're not home and you think they're parrots and you look back and you give them like loving eyes. And all of a sudden you're like, oh crap. <laughs> what, one day I got home to my place and I could hear the birds chirping in the house. And so I let out this big wolf whistle and, and a neighbor walked by 
and I had to uh, pause and explain, Hey, it's my birds. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, it's not you. I I just was saying hi to my birds. And and that sounds even more wild. You know, Oh, I have birds in the house. Like, Oh gosh. Yeah. But you have to, you have to laugh about it. Um, One of my friends, uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, one of my one of my friends um, who I got to do uh, asked to do a blurb for my book. Um, he's a great writer, this guy Ryan North. But um, my biggest memory with him, um, and the thing he actually wanted to do his blurb about, but he realized this wasn't going to be um, what the publisher wanted. Was one time he and I were going to go hang out, and we both pulled up our bikes to to get together for brunch, and and I said hi, and then a pigeon jumped out of a nearby crevice and pooped all over us. Like I didn't know one bird could contain this much poop. Yeah. And, and we both stood there for a second and then we both went, well, see you later. And we went home <laughs> and had a shower. And he said, that's what he thinks about when he thinks of me and pigeons. Wow. What did it smell <sighs> like? Do you think it was lentils or do you think it was hot dog? <laughs> I think it was trash because it did not smell good. <laughs> it was it was incredible. I mean, I think the pigeon had been holding it in for a while and oh, it was now ready. What do they call that incontinent when you have a <laughs> this this pigeon was continent. <laughs> this <laughs> continent's worth of poop descended on us. Uh, maybe the pigeon was like I'm sorry, he was Ryan. trying to he was trying to woo a woman and he was trying to really hold it in during the whole dance. <laughs> He's just like, I gotta go somewhere and get this. Like this is this is a hard that was a hard date. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> I like that fiction. I I want to write that story. Yeah, the, the the story of how it got I always yeah, it's um the the story of how something happens, like when a when a pigeon poops on you. You can come up with so many scenarios, you know, just like when, like when someone makes me mad, um, if just, you know, even if I'm in line at the store, but then at the same time, I'm just like, maybe I am the, maybe I'm the bad person for being mad at them. Cause I don't know what, I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what brought struggles. them here to this moment. They could have, they could have had a really bad day. Maybe they even, maybe they even like saved a kid from drowning earlier in the morning and they were wet and cold, you know, it's, there's, yeah. 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 No. And absolutely. I, I, so, uh, someone once asked me, it was a good luck if a pigeon poops on you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I always, now when I get that question, I always say, well, like I got pooped on horrendously. And then about 15 years later, I got paid money to write a book about pigeon poop. So I feel like the, the arc of my life, that is the path that it took. And I think that's lucky. Yeah, no, when a pigeon poops on you, wait 15 years and see what happens. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's just like, oh, wow, I'm 30 now. I can't wait until I'm 45. (laughs) It's been a good day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, give it time. It takes time. (laughs) Well, what, um, wait, so when, when you went to college, were you studying science and birds particularly? That's a good question. Um, in my, I got tons of good questions. (laughs) (laughs) We could be here all day. (laughs) (laughs) They're all good questions, but no, that that's, uh, no, because people ask me, okay, well, did you study birds? And I did not. I studied anthropology because I liked art and science and I was desperate to combine the two. And I thought maybe that would do it. Um, and it didn't wind up being a great fit for me. And so I wandered around afterwards, trying all sorts of different things. And then I eventually, as an older student, got a graduate degree in a program that combined art and science and was sort of a communication and biology focused thing. But if you want to do this kind of thing, it, it can be really challenging to know how to you know, arrange your life, because if you're mixing art and science, there isn't someone there to say, okay, do step one and then step two and then step three. So you might find yourself knowing a whole lot about anthropology for reasons that only appear relevant in like a trivia night and no other time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but is it fun? I mean, if you enjoy it, then it's all good. Oh yeah. I mean, there's nothing cooler than, finding a way to turn a science fact into something that people are going to remember and care about. It's, 
the, just the most amazing feeling, especially if you add a silly joke to it and then people start sharing it around, even though it might be kind of a dry topic. Uh-huh. It's the best. It's the best feeling. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you speak, you, you do, you, uh, do, you do a lot of speaking engagements too, right? Kids and stuff. Yeah. I, you know, to be honest, I was nervous about public speaking when I got to grad school and they taught us really grilled how to do public speaking. So they had us give talks over and over and they'd stop us if we went over time Mm -hmm. and then they'd critique the talk. They'd say, you've got to start with a funny joke and you've got to end, you know, in a memorable way and put yourself in it. And they really, really, really worked with us to make talks more interesting. So now I go to birding festivals all over, although now with COVID it's, I go, I travel through the internet and go to birding festivals and I give a lot of talks and I, I really, really like it. The only downside with Zoom is when you give a funny talk, you can't see whether people are laughing at you. So you can't tell your tailor your jokes as well. Yes. Oh my God. I do that with my classes. I say, I'll say the funniest, I'll say something hilarious. And then I, but everyone's on mute. So I don't get the, um, you know, but I look at, I see the faces and they're all, I see, I see them laughing and I'm just like, this sucks. This is so, yeah. what, so what was, what was um, one of your first jokes that you told to break an audience? And, and, and hopefully it's not that great of a joke. One of your early jokes, what was an early joke you used to, uh, to go, okay, this is how we're going to, this is how we're going to break these people in. So they'll like me. Oh, I mean, I usually will go through one of my cartoons right away and hopefully pick one that people think is funny. But I think the thing that that I used to say all the time that would put me and people at ease is so I'm from Canada and I would start to say, you know, can can everybody hear me? And because the worst is, you know, you're halfway through a talk and someone says, oh, the mic's not working or something. So I'd say, can everyone hear me? I tend to be pretty quiet because I'm from Canada. And for some reason, or I'd say, you know, I'm Canadian, so I'm pretty quiet. People would just lose it at that. I think really? they wouldn't expect, you know, someone to come up and say, hi, I'm from Canada. <laughs> I hope you like me. And, you know, here they are prepared for a formal talk and they would just crack up. I, maybe it's that Americans are just primed to like Canadians, which is convenient for me and my Canadian friends. Yeah. What's up with that? Why? Why? Canadians are great. But I think there's something very secretly evil about them that we don't know yet. <laughs> well, have you experienced our winters? Because I think part of why we're very nice is that if you're not nice, then no one will survive the, the colds of the winters. Ah. They are they are really rough. Huh. Really rough. Yeah. So it's so it's so it's um there there's a niceness out of out of necessity in order to not lose your mind. Yeah. In the darkness and the snow. And, you know, when I was a kid on the radio, something would come, you know, the the radio announcer would say, all right, today's a skin freezing day. So don't be outside for longer than 15 minutes with any exposed skin. And, (laughs) you know, just when you're, when you're putting up with that, you know, you have to be nice, nice to people or everyone's going to freeze to death. Oh, that's sweet. I'm a huge fan of trailer park boys. Do you know that show? I know I haven't watched it. I know my parents love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Your parents yeah, are degenerate too. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so much Canadian content. There's uh, there's like Letter Kenny and yeah. You know, there was Strange Brew and just so much. Oh right, Strange Brew. Letter Kenny was uh, they they did a they really make good fun of Los Angeles. They crack me up with their Los Angeles stereotyping because the problem is it's true. Oh, I see. I mean, well, let's I, go hiking and then we'll get tacos. <laughs> they have I this feel whole, like Canadians can't imagine a place where it's beautiful and sunny 360. It's, it, you know, uh, every, every day of the year, it just seems decadent in a way that God didn't intend. <laughs> I get frustrated with it because I'm from San Francisco. So I'm used to like, you turn around the corner and then all of a sudden there's a, you know, a, fog uh, barreling in and then you turn another corner and then it's hot so that's what i grew up with and then in la it's just like oh (laughs) i still bring a jacket with me everywhere and even the other night there was an outdoor 
my friend um, Gabriel Hart did a reading and it was outdoors at this awesome cafe called uh, Stories Cafe. And it's a bookstore cafe, which is the two f- most favorite things in my life. The best. Me too. The best thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Best you guys have, um, uh, what is it? Trident? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there. yeah, there's a ton of them all over the place. There's, yeah. there's, gosh, yeah. Yeah, I think I know where all of them are up and down the East Coast. And I just go, you know, as I'm driving along, I'll say, oh, another bookstore cafe. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm there and it's night, you know, it's, it's nighttime. It's completely dark. And I'm like, I have just a, a, you know, I just have a shirt, a shirt over my shirt and it was too warm. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. and that's LA that's fall in LA. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's maybe that's why Canadian, you know, I'm, I'm uh, interested in weather. I'm like, can we have some, well, I'm interested in rain. I want more rain these days, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's another thing I do with my cartoons is um, I do goofy science jokes for about five or six cartoons in a row. And then I do one about climate change and then I do Mm. goofy science jokes and then I do one about climate change and writing this pigeon book was sort of a nice break from a lot of the climate advocacy stuff that I do because it was sort of, you know, they can be kind of a gentle distraction, which I think is, is really great too. But yeah, I get too scared of climate change where I walk outside and I'm like, the sun's going to burn me alive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary stuff. It's easy to get overwhelmed by it for sure. I think when I feel really overwhelmed, I think about how there, there's something about this issue where people have convinced all of us that we're all alone when we stress out about it, but really the vast majority of people are thinking about it and stressed out about it. And many, many, many people are doing something about it. It's just, you don't see them, especially during a pandemic, you know, you don't see anyone. So you can start to think that everybody is like, you know, your grumpy uncle who's on Facebook, but. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) It's like, I just, I just uh, figured out, I got two exhaust pipes now on my V10 truck. I'm just, I figured out how to blow more smoke into the sky. It's two miles to the gallon. I got to fill up every 20 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'll tell you, so a really nice thing about this book is people have been sending me pictures of their pigeons, quote unquote, reading it because people have pet pigeons. This is a big thing is more and more people have pet pigeons, like house pigeons, it's like not uh-huh. just pigeons they have in a loft you okay. know, out back. And so they'll show me their pet pigeon reading the book and it is the cutest thing. Where do you get a pet pigeon? What, 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 you go, do you like, you just go, you know what? The parrot's, the parrot's a little too, uh, is not exotic enough for me. I need a pigeon. Well, fun fact Pigeons, because they're not native to North America, do not uh, have protections under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. So you can just have a pigeon as a pet. I mean, again, they're a stray dog or a stray cat. They are a feral domestic animal that's out and about. So what I would recommend is um, some of them are being read, you know, purebred raised. And sometimes you can, you can buy fancy purebred, the, the poodles of pigeons, but you can also go to pigeon rescues, which are just packed with pigeons that make good pets. And the, the best thing about, about these pigeon rescues is they'll also tell you pigeons, you know, will poop in your house. Right. So the way you prevent that is with pigeon pants which are a walking pigeon diaper. They, they are like a little suit and you put it on your pigeon and the pigeon poops into that. And then you can just wash that. And they come in every pattern you could want. There are like business casual ones and, and formal tuxedo wow. pigeon pants, super patterns. Yeah. There's, I saw a kilt the other day, like a pigeon. Like a pigeon wow. I didn't know that pants. this is that much of a thing. You can, you can color coordinate. It's so wonderful. So there, you can have them as an accessory too, which is pretty cute. Now, now I, this, now the, uh, this is an assumption of mine, but would you be able to just go outside with your pigeon because your pigeon will always go home? Ooh, tricky. You can, some pigeons you can take outside. Some of them will just hang out on your shoulder. Um, but Sometimes pigeons will take off and um, what you would need to get them back home, right, is some sort of a loft where there'd be like a hole where they could they could fly in and get back in your home. 
Um, and you would definitely be at risk of a falcon or something else picking it off um, or it getting lost or something. So that that happens with pigeon racing as people release pigeons from really far away with RFID tags and try to get them to come home. And, and then the, the a little scanner scans when they make it in and they chart how fast the pigeons go. Oh, wow. But some of them get eaten. Some of them hit windows. Some of them get lost and starve. And so... Uh, it's, it's definitely complicated things. So you should probably keep your pigeon, you know, on like a little leash with a little harness. It, it depends on the, on the pigeon. Well, here's my plan. I'm going to get a pigeon that looks really sexy to a Falcon. And then I'm going to get a GoPro and I'm just going to walk around and be like, and j- just so I can get the, uh, get the footage. <laughs> That's not an ahistorical idea because before really? drones, people used to attach cameras to pigeons and fly them up in the air and get the first aerial photographs you know they weren't from an airplane so yeah oh, you're not wow. far off I, I think a gopro might be too heavy for a pigeon though you'd need a really light really oh light. i want the falcon to take it off of my shoulder though specifically I <laughs> so i need to let the falcon know that i'm okay i'm an okay guy i'm not gonna hurt the falcon go ahead and get this pigeon I think pigeon enthusiasts might be a little worried about <laughs> to feed all your pets to the, the falcon. Also, I don't know that you want a peregrine falcon that close to your face. Right. Oh, yeah, I know. It's because I moisturize. <laughs> <laughs> That's one reason. <laughs> Rosemary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Like a bird on the wire, like a drunk in a midnight choir, I have tried in my way to be free.
Thanks for listening to Jinx, Drinks with Tony. Check out the Pocket Guide to Pigeon, pigeon, pigeon Watching. <laughs> Sorry. The Pocket Guide to Pigeon Watching by Rosemary Masco. Next week on the show, we have David S. Wills, and he'll be discussing his new book, High White Notes, The Rise and Fall of Gonzo Journalism. See you next week, and remember, reading fills our souls. So fill your soul with books and books and books and books and books. I went to everybody's head about the book. Listening to 101.9 FM KPCRLP Santa Cruz. I'm trying to be a normal guy, but something will not let me to remove. Myself from that myth of success that leaves me empty. Not striving for royalty in this world of mediocrity. But the lies of heaven, they just won't let me be. Don't it make you angry? Say how blessed they are, they're crazy Like hotels boasting as mansions Still boasting all their vacancy You can cram every room with the crowd Still the outside looks lonely All the lies of heaven like the Stick passion with all my young kids are
Just in time for one thing, warning everybody. 